What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Around the League podcast, episode 25. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jay. And on today's episode, we actually have a lot to get into. Um, I think probably the most news uh, during, you know, this quarantine time. It's another quarantine episode here. Uh, we'll be talking about Jerry's, the passing of Hall of Fame coach Jerry Sloan. Um, the NBA with uh, big news as we're actually recording this so on Saturday. Uh, it's coming out as we're recording this now that uh, mid to late July, possibly a return to action in Disney World. Uh, but we're going to start off with Horace Grant and Michael Jordan. Uh, the big topic for the past five weeks now, as we discussed in our last episode, and if you guys haven't listened to that, go listen. We did a full recap of The Last Dance that has been airing on ESPN for the last five weeks and just ended uh, about a week ago now. And there's been a lot of um, controversy, I guess you could say, with certain people and, and Michael Jordan's views on them, their views on Michael Jordan. And one person in particular who's been very outspoken is Horace Grant, former teammate of Michael Jordan through his the first three-peat um, from 91 to 91 title, 92 title, 93 title. Um, and how Michael Jordan said in the book that written by Sam Smith, a uh, former columnist for the Chicago Tribune, I believe. The Jordan uh, Rules, yeah. The Jordan Rules that he wrote and that Hor- Michael Michael Jordan believes that Horace Grant was a snitch in that and, and said Michael Jordan basically was, um, I guess you could say, not the nicest of teammates and very hard on, on, the, on, on the guys and on his teammates and everything. And Horace Grant this past week uh, came back out um, was it on a podcast or on a radio interview? What was it on? I'm it was sure. a uh, ESPN radio, I think. Uh, ESPN radio interview and basically called Jordan a snitch and said, you know, how are you going to say that when at the beginning, if you guys didn't listen, I think it was like the first two episodes, Jordan said um, that the his rookie year, he walked in and a whole bunch of his teammates were doing drugs and this and that and basically called his teammates out for that in this one last dance documentary and said, you know, how are you going to call someone else a snitch when you're a snitch yourself and just really a whole bunch of controversy um that the two now there's a lot of friction between i don't know how close of friends they were before but now it looks like they're not such a good friend so what what are your thoughts on on everything that's transpired between horace and, and michael yeah well first of all going into the whole entire last dance documentary i really tried to look at it as i was thinking it was going to be a whole bulls like that whole entire team and as you go through it, it's like Jordan's obviously giving commentary on a bunch of different things, even stuff that isn't necessarily related to him. Uh, he's giving uh, commentary on it. So to be honest, throughout the whole entire thing, I was thinking, OK, this is going to be the, uh, you know, this is and, and the title is a little bit, um, I guess, not it, it's just not like the last dance you're thinking, OK, they're going to really highlight uh that 98 season and it's really just a lead up obviously and and the whole entire journey so obviously you you go in with you know really no expectations as to how it's going to go because I'm thinking okay it's going to be obviously that highly anticipated 98 season where you know are they going to break up and obviously they they broke up but is it you know obviously for people that don't know the whole story um you know that's that's how you would view it um but really yeah, obviously it's it's a documentary that that showcases the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan, and it's 
a lot of it is is skewed. I can see how it can be skewed toward towards Jordan's, uh, I guess, favor and and uh, you know and, and bias and all that stuff. And and they talk about that. Yes, Jordan wasn't uh, directly involved in it, but there was a lot of people that were close to Jordan that were involved in it. A lot of people that he knew that were involved in the whole. Um, I guess direct. Uh, I think he's close to the director too. I'm not sure, but a lot of people I, that I were involved he, in it. I, I don't know how close he is, but I, I understand what you're saying. That a lot, uh, a lot of people involved. Well, basically, I think, and and I'll let you keep going. But basically, he had you know control as to when this would release. As you know, it came out that after LeBron won in 2016 with the Cavs, that's when he gave the go ahead. Okay, let's start making this documentary now. As before that, it was. Um, just sitting in a film room in a storage somewhere, all the footage. And then they, they started doing the interviews about two years ago uh, in 2018. They started conducting, they conducted, I think over a hundred interviews. Right. And so it's basically the whole entire thing is pretty much one word. It's cooperation. So Jordan had a lot of cooperation with this whole entire, uh, you know, the filmmaking and the direct, he, he basically had the final say, even if it wasn't directly through Jordan, it was through people that he knew. So then again, you could say that Jordan had the final say, but not directly, if that makes sense. But then again, as far as Horace Grant, I mean, I read an article that said that, listen, if you want to call someone out to be a, to be a snitch, you better not be doing the same thing. Because I saw him you know, talking about Scottie Pippen, how they were great friends, and they, they still are great friends, but he called them out you know, when... Jordan and him went over to, uh, I believe it was Barcelona in 19, uh, 1992 when they, when they were with the Dream Team. And just pretty much talking about how, you know, he's fame and, and this and that. And he can't, he can't handle it. He's arrogant. So, and then he's called, obviously he's, he's had his fair share of, of criticisms with Jordan if he's, you know, they're getting this whole beef right now. Uh, and then again, you know, they say that, you know, if they're, they're in person, you know, they'll say, uh, you know, what's up? They'll be respectful. But um, at the end of the day, there's certain things there that, uh, you know, Jordan Jordan portrayed throughout the whole documentary. And, and there's really the, these two sides throughout the whole entire there, – there's two sides to every single story. So then again, we weren't there, uh, and we can't really say too much. But then again, it's like you don't want to sway towards either side because both of them have valid points and you don't know unless you were, you were there, obviously. Yeah, no, um, to me, this is, I, coming in Michael Jordan and, and he said, he said, listen, a lot of guys won't be happy and, and people will look at me differently after this documentary and the things I say. Um, and, and I totally understand that. And I could understand that after watching the first one or two episodes, you know, the first Sunday that they showed this, I, I saw that. But then as the documentary went on, you saw um, he, his mentality is different than most or than I think anyone ever. And there's a reason for that. Um, obviously, it's beneficial to him uh, because he's considered the greatest player of all time for, you know, a lot of people. And in this, I, I get where Horace Grant's coming from, saying, hey, you know, you're calling me a snitch, but you're a snitch yourself with the whole, you know, calling out his teammates for doing drugs and this, that, the other. The thing is, mm-hmm. and, you know, I was watching ESPN. I've been watching a lot. And in the 70s and 80s, the NBA was known as a drug-infested league. Um, most players, including star players, were, were doing drugs and not, you know, just 
smoking weed or or like that doing hardcore drugs and the thing is is he he didn't call out any of his teammates by name i I didn't really have a problem with it per se i I don't know maybe it's just me um with that but i could see obviously horace grant got called out because michael jordan thinks that he's the one who snitched and possibly he could um i don't know if horace i I, i'm guessing he denied it or i i know he did deny it i believe and it's a tricky situation um then the, you bring up Scotty, and, and there's a lot of reports saying Scotty is not happy with the way he was portrayed in, in this right. last dance. And I could see why. Um, they point out, obviously, we, we talked about uh, last episode um, when we when we recapped the whole last dance about Scotty not going into the game. You know that year that Michael wasn't there in the playoffs because they drew up the play for Tony Kukoc, uh, him not starting the '98 season and elected to have surgery when he could have had that in the summer because he didn't want to f up his summer, quote unquote. Um, stuff like that so listen Michael had a good grip on what was going to be said about him what was going to be said about other people and how it was going to be said and how is it how it was going to be narrated the same thing just like with Jerry Krause and and how people you know him basically as the villain in this documentary and Michael didn't like him so there's a lot of things that I think he pissed people off with and and but at the same time you know I think a lot of it was the truth if not all of it was the truth, what he was saying. And could he have done it differently? Yeah, but that's not Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is who, you know, that's who he is. And I think, um, I don't really understand, you know, why Horace Grant would call him, you know, a snitch for that particular, you know, there's so many other things I think in the documentary you could point out that you could, I guess, I I, I don't really know. I mean, it's kind of just a tough subject to talk about because what you, okay you know I, I don't get again i'll take horace aside here and, and say well, why is michael upset that horace went out and said that you know i guess at the time it could ruin team chemistry this that the other but 20 30 years later what are you pissed off about now i mean it, how is that affecting you now i i don't think it's so much about and you say it's you know it's it's just about saying the truth and a lot of the stuff in the in the documentary could be true i mean again we we can speculate here and there we we weren't there firsthand so we can't really have the final verdict with that we just have to speculate but once again it's like it's not whether it's the truth it's that is there more to the story because you mentioned scotty and i'll take scotty first um in my in my little uh briefing here you know scotty and you talk about Scotty, he doesn't really get shown when does he get shown in a positive light? He really doesn't. You you mentioned I have to agree with you on that. You you mentioned the the surgery uh when he elects to, you know, miss instead of you know waiting on that, he elects to have it, you know, ASAP pretty much. And and he they show the the disputes that he ha- has with the well, not directly the disputes, but the stories of the, the of the disputes with yeah. the management. Yeah, he he's severely underpaid. He and and I and I said in, in last episode, I said, look, Scotty, I think Scotty has all the right to be upset because you look at today and a lot of people, a lot of players would be bat- mad with uh with the management and would want to have negotiation control because a lot of players do have that nowadays. So I think he handled it fine. But once again, getting back to my point, disputes with the management, he there's that that time when MJ's out because of baseball and, and you know, they're in a really crucial game 
and Scotty elects to because Phil wants to design, design a play for Tony Kukoc and he design and, and he wants Scotty to be to be the guy throwing the ball out of bounds and Scotty says nope I'm not going out there and they d- display him like that and um, and then there's there's a whole thing with Bill Cartwright in the in the locker room saying why Scotty did you do that and then not only that you look at the '98 finals and they they portray his back injury. Uh, and there's really nothing too positive about Scotty throughout the whole entire documentary. Um, I think that's well, something to really, really point out. And then, well, uh, I, I mean, unless you have no, something, but, I, I got to keep going. No, well, well I'll, I'll go back to this. And again, it, it, it's this is kind of like, again, we said last episode, we don't have enough time to talk about everything in the last dance. And it kind of connects with the last episode. And we talked about um how hard Jordan was on his teammates and, and how he um, really challenged his teammates and, and stuff like this. And I think it's, listen, I could be totally perceiving this wrong. Maybe he's still challenging them to a sense. I don't know. Maybe his competitiveness was saying, Hey, I need to look the best in this documentary. No one else can look better than me. Um, why I, that would be a motivation. I have no idea. Uh, not a lot of people know, especially our age, know about Michael Jordan. If you notice, he's never he never does interviews. He never is in the in the you know in the media. Yeah, he owns a team. He's in that. He's involved in the league. But when do you hear about him? You don't really, right? I mean, um, you never see him at press conferences for the Hornets. At least I don't. I mean, again, the Hornets are not a, 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 a pro, pro, uh, like a top team in the league. But it's it's. Um, he has a lot of issues with a lot of people. And again, I could, again, it's, he's a different type of, a different type of human being. And, and obviously uh, his motivation and his drive has been successful for him, but it seems like a lot of people around him who helped him get there, like a Horace Grant, who was very pitiful, pivotal, and excuse me, in that first repeat and Scotty Pippen, who was there for all six and, and was, I think at a time, one of the top 10, top five best players in the league. Um, in his own right, and probably, you know, could have led his own team to a championship, uh, uh, was there too. And and you can't, you need to give credit where credit is due. And I agree with you there. I don't remember a point where Scotty was viewed in a positive light. And I'm trying to think, was there anyone besides Michael that was viewed in a positive light um, through this documentary? Uh, any, any other, you know, people you, you look at not with Isaiah Thomas and, and what happened there, Horace Grant. Now you have Scottie Pippen. I mean, just a lot of. Um, I mean, maybe maybe Steve Kerr. I guess. I, I, even there, I mean, it, it, the practice and this and that. I mean, it, it, you it, what you said just now, really. I mean, it's it kind of sparked a, a light bulb in my head. Kind of like, hey, no one was viewed in a positive light in this. It was compelling TV. I mean, I loved it. I think everyone in the world loved it. Also, to the fact that no one else has anything to do right now. Um, during this quarantine but yeah i mean the way he listen he wasn't the director the the director i thought did a great job with this but he had his grip on this very much so that if he didn't like the way the director was doing something he was going to tell him um i don't think that will ever you know the director will ever come out and say hey we wanted to put this but no but there's a lot to 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 talk about and, and really examine that we did over you know, this past episode and now, you know, a quarter of the way through this episode that is to look at and, and, and not only Michael Jordan's character, but also Horace Grant's character, Scottie Pippen, you mentioned Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause, so on and so forth. Um, 
even Dennis Rodman, the way Dennis Rodman was portrayed. I mean, it was kind of like in a funny way, but at least to some people funny and sad in a sense, just the way that he acted, um, but not nothing positive there. So you really did bring up a good point there. Yeah, I, I think it's a very valid point. And looking at just a couple more things to add here, looking at you mentioned Jordan with his teammates. I mean, how about that? Do you think that and, and I think they do a good job of really trying to hide because, you know, he, he there's a point in episode, it's one of the later episodes, but he starts to get upset as they go on a TV break about his teammates and how he wanted to push them. And it, and it, it didn't come out like that. Um, and he just wanted to win. And whatever it took to win, he wanted to push his teammates to get to that level where he was at. And so... You look at that and you question, okay, are they hiding certain things? Because from Horace Grant, and again, this is all speculation once again, but Horace Grant said in some of those articles that, I, that I've seen and some of those on ESPN and whatnot, he said that there's a lot more to that story where he, he called people B-words, he called people, he'd do a lot more than what was depicted in the documentary. So are they trying to hide that? And, and I think they were trying to hide that to the best of their ability to, to really hide Jordan and his comments towards his teammates because, to me, I think there was a lot worse. I mean, looking at what his teammates said, obviously behind the scenes after the documentary, there seems to be a lot more to that story of what, you know, what was said around practice. I'm sure there was a lot worse. So there's that. Yeah. yeah. No, no. I mean, you, you bring up all valid points. Um, that and that again, it goes back to this is again a continuation of last episode and what we were talking about with the, I think again you brought up the, you know basically the most I think the the most riveting part of the whole documentary was when he was talking about his teammates and he got teary eyed and and said break basically to cut it you know that he didn't want to talk anymore for and he needed to take a break and it was really I mean the documentary could have ended right there in a sense as to just you you could feel the emotion that he was was going through and if anything that it just shows how much he cared about his teammates at least to me that's how I took it as to he he wanted his teammates to be as successful as he did and wanted them you know to have that as much you know uh of a drive that he did and 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 to go out there every day and and play you know 110 percent but again there's not many people like Michael Jordan the only other person I think in NBA history that you can compare Michael Jordan to and I think it's been you know, said now 150,000 times since this documentary started is Kobe Bryant. I'm not even LeBron. LeBron doesn't have that killer instinct that Michael does. Uh, uh, I guess Kevin Durant doesn't have, you know, uh, today's players do not have that same killer instinct, in my opinion, I think, um, that Michael did. And, and it's just interesting to think about. Yeah, I, I do. Just Just to really wrap this up, I think as far as, look, Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time as of, as of present day today. And look, anything to, anything to, he's, he's gotta have the, I I think in my opinion, again, you can say this, you can say that, but at the end of the day, he, he really just had the final say, even if it wasn't directly, if it was indirectly, he had the final say, because look, 
he's the great he's the greatest player of all time. Anything to tear down his legacy. I mean, look. And and the guy that's closest closest to it is playing right now. He still has some more damage to do in LeBron James. So anything and that's to why tear the down his was released now. Right. And that's one of the reasons why. And so and especially after that 2016 NBA Finals where LeBron comes down 3-1, Jordan's like, okay, we got to show him something. We got to show what greatness is like. So then again, anything to tear down Jordan's legacy, I don't think he'll let that happen. And he's already had a lot of media criticisms. You look at, um, there was an interview, there was a couple, uh, just a little small segment that said he was just getting interviewed. Uh, I'm not sure where exactly or what time period it was, but he basically was just talking about the media and said, the media is not going to bring me down. If anyone's going to bring me down, it's going to be myself. And so he doesn't want anyone to take away from his legacy. And I, I can speculate that a lot of it had to be his final say, but there's two sides to every story. So you never know unless it's, unless you're for, firsthand, you know, up in, you know, everyone's business. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a good way to cap that off and, you talk about LeBron, and I guess this will be a transition here, is today, um, and really over the past week or so, a lot has ramped up in all sports leagues. You know, you look at baseball, you look at hockey, uh, MLS, the soccer league, um, all the leagues that should be playing right now on how they're going to resume play uh, as they're right now on hold due to the coronavirus and then NBA today has came out and basically said, according to multiple reports, that Disney World is basically the front lead. Um, they would be playing at the ESPN Wild World of Sports uh, once they resume, and that resume date would be in late July. Um, they're still figuring out. I, I believe that they, what they would do is, you know, probably have maybe five regular season games left just for the playoff teams to get in some sort of rhythm. Um, I, I'm guessing that. They said uh, come June 1st, which is in about a week or 10 days or so, uh, that they'll have full guidelines for everything. And I think that they'll probably give the teams about a two to three week, uh, maybe even longer training uh, camp period where they can get all the players in as only right now half the teams in the league even are able to go into the, their facilities and have individual workouts. Um, so some, you know, half the, half the players in the league aren't even able to get into their arenas at or practice facilities to even shoot. Um, so very interesting what's going to happen here as Vegas was discussed as they could house everyone there and play in Vegas. But I think, um, ESPN wide order sports is, is the main choice here because one it's Disney world and, and Disney world owns ESPN and ESPN is a major, major, uh, TV broadcasting partner of the NBA. So that has a lot to do with it. And that's all business related. And, and obviously they can house them there because there's so many hotels and stuff in, in, Orlando, Florida, and Disney World. So what are, what are your thoughts on all of this? And, and how exciting is it just to hear news that possibly we could have a, um, a season resumed in, in uh, mid to late July? Uh, it's very exciting, to be honest. Uh, and if you were to tell me that the season would resume, I mean, I thought it was completely done and out of the picture. So just just to reiterate, because I might have said it before in earlier podcast, Adam Silver has just done a great job. And I think, yeah, you can point to Adam Silver as a big reason for it, but also the Players Association with CP3 and what they've been doing uh, to really just... And, and I really think they view it from this perspective as well, that, look, it's for the fans. We want to put on 
for the fans. We don't want the season to end. They could easily, I mean, think about it. They could easily, well, a lot of them love the game for sure, right? But also they could easily, you know, say they got millions of dollars. They could go, don't, th- don't you think they would want to go? Well, also the good news about Disney is that they were talking about how uh, they could have their families there too. So that would be nice for the players to have. But also, couldn't they just, with the millions of dollars that they have over the summer, where they're, they're obviously, you know, there's the draft and free agency, but there's no NBA basketball this summer. You know, if it was a regular season, um, you know, normal. But couldn't they just go on vacation or whatever? So for them to really, really sit down and say, hey, we're not going to let this whole entire coronavirus stop the game that we love to play, but also we want to give these fans some entertainment. Uh, I think they've done a great job. I think, and really just in the time that they've been given, the time frame and Adam Silver just acting in a timely manner. I really just think it's it's a great job. And hey, I mean, there's no there's no better place than Disney. And the wide <laughs> wide world wide 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 world of sports is uh, in in Orlando is it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's somewhere we're very familiar um, of as as yeah. Floridians here. But um, but yeah, it's it's a great complex, a uh, lot of space. There's a lot of facilities. Um, in terms of mm-hmm. uh, the, the the courts, there's you know you obviously don't need to be practicing right next to each other because obviously with this whole entire virus you don't want to be doing that. So there's a lot of space. You don't need an arena with you, you also. I mean, you talk about courts. There's plenty of courts because you don't need an arena because there's not going to be fans, so you can play without stands. Um, right. Yeah. Exactly. So it's it's it, it's just a great place. It's a really great place. There's a lot to Orlando's. Uh, just a great, I think it's just a great host spot. And, and the fact that they're deciding on just Orlando, I think that's a very smart decision because obviously you, you want to limit the amount of locations you want to be at. You don't really want to be at Vegas. And, uh, and, the, and, the, and the real, as, as you reiterated before, I think the real reason why they're picking Orlando and setting on Orlando is because of the partnership uh, with ESPN with, and Disney. Yeah, and, yeah no, yeah. for sure. And, and I think something to really think about, you mentioned the players want to come back. And um, something that's major here is, is the business aspect of, of this. The salary cap is going to be significantly um, to, you know, uh, affected by everything that has happened. A lot of teams have, you know, this summer, obviously, for agency isn't going to be what uh, the big, you know, it's not going to be like last summer, but 2021 free agency, a lot of people are setting up for. Um, you have Giannis, you have Kawhi, you have Paul George, LeBron, a whole bunch of guys will be in that free agency. And a lot of teams who think they're going to have max salary cap uh, space for max spots might not because of this. And and if they can get back and, and finish this season, it, it will give them money, obviously, one, because they get TV you know, revenue um, from ESPN, TNT, uh, and then broadcasting the games. And then next season, I think, you know, a big thing is, will they be able to get fans back in the arenas? Because that's their major source of income as well as game day revenue, um, fans buying concessions, tickets, so on and so forth. So it's a, it, they, they really need to get this season finished. I think um, the players see that, I think something, and, and I've heard, and I kind of agree with is that this free agency, you're not going to have many guys at all because whoever has player options, they believe will probably accept them just because they won't be able to get the money that, you know, if they decline their play option that, you know, that's offering them. 
or what they think they're valued at because of, you know, the situation with the salary cap and, and teams not having as much money as they initially thought they would. So there's a lot that goes into this and it's not just getting the season over with and crowning a champion. Um, and, and that, you know, for the teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, you know, the Bucks, and those teams who, you know, have a shot at winning a title, but it's also, uh, like I just said, the business side and, and the money side and, and making sure that, you know, not only the players profit and, and don't lose money, but also the NBA itself, which has already lost a lot of money. Um, and the one thing, like you said, you have to commend Adam Silver because, you know, you look at baseball right now and, and it looked, you know, if you were to ask me three weeks ago, baseball looked like they were going to get underway very soon. Um, probably July 1st, they would start the regular season, but now, you know, the players association and, and the MLB itself is not, doesn't have a good relationship at all. They're fighting over revenue shares, this, that, the other football for years. Now the players and owners have not got along at all. Um, hockey. I can't really say much about the MLS is I can't say much about either, but the NBA has the best relationship throughout its whole league. Uh, Chris Paul, who's the head of the players association, Adam Silver get along tremendously. They've done a great job in communicating with each other and also communicating to the public as to what you know they're trying to do and everything they've done uh so far and i'm really excited Uh, like you said i even now i'm i still have my doubts um to how you know if they were to get the season over with and another thing to think about is that they probably wouldn't end the season until about october meaning or end of September, early October. So when would they start the next season? A lot of people have said Christmas. And really, I mean, it affects the next season, but not really because you could still end in June, you know, possibly even early, early July. So there's a lot that goes into this. No doubt. I think that, like we've said, Adam Silver's done a great job. Um, There's no mistake, you know, there's no mistaking that. He's really just done a phenomenal job. Uh, and you have to commend the players as well uh, for cooperating with the whole situation, also just leading with the Players Association. Uh, and, and obviously this whole entire virus messes everything up. I mean, from from basketball to baseball to, I mean, really everything except football, if you think about it, because you know, obviously this is the football offseason. Uh, but as far as just two points here, um, first of all, this is good for the NBA because this is sort of a test one. You mentioned the season starting. We don't know when it's necessarily going to start. I mean, there's still doubts about this happening right now with the whole entire Orlando stuff and, and whatnot. But also, as far as this, this is, this is really just a test run for next season because think about it. If, if they start to do – because you talk about – you know, starting the next season, uh, you know, not really, you know, some unpredictability because of this whole entire virus outbreak. So this is sort of a test run for the NBA. And obviously, because think about it, we've never really had something like this. So this is sort of, you know, this is different than, and again, I mean, you can compare it to a lockout, to a whatever it may be, but also this is something really we've never had. I mean, just like, you know, out of nowhere, mid-season, you know, we're almost towards the tail end of the season. And uh, we had about a month left until playoffs. So really just a test run for the NBA to say, hey, let's, you know, let's try uh, a spot like Orlando, see how it goes. Um, and, you know, Disney World is a, 
is a spot that makes a bunch of revenue anyway. So to go over there and to really try this out, see how it goes, I think it'll be good for the NBA. You know, obviously with the with just how unpredictable it would be down the stretch here and leading into next season, we don't know what's going to happen. So that's good, I think. And then also as far as your free agency point uh, with the whole salary cap um, issues, obviously teams losing money. This is really, really big for the big market teams. And I'll tell you why, because players that are trying to exp- think about it. I mean, not a lot of teams are going to have, and you mentioned player options and they'll probably end up staying with the team they're on right now. But really, if they're looking elsewhere, they're going to look towards the big market teams because they're going to try and want to expand their brands, not necessarily trying to go get money per se, because obviously a lot of teams are not going to have cap space, but going to expand their brands with a team like the Lakers, who are, you know, obviously with what I'm saying, have a big advantage with the Heat, with the Bulls, with the Knicks. And I think those are the teams that are going to have a big advantage come free agency. Yeah, no, um, for sure. Uh, I think right now a lot of the sports leagues are looking uh, at you know what NASCAR is doing and and they're um, back uh, going uh, and racing. They've already had two races and they have another race tomorrow. Um, even though that's kind of totally different because it's not a team aspect. Or you can even look overseas to the Bundesliga Bundesliga uh, soccer league in Germany. Um, which is one of the major, major soccer leagues in all of the world. Uh, I know La Liga, I, I believe, and, and Spain is coming back. So, the, listen, there's a lot of these team uh, leagues that are coming back now, you know, it's kind of like a lot of the other leagues are looking as to what they're doing, what's wrong with what they're doing, and, and um, how they can do that better. And I think whoever comes back, uh, not first, but whoever comes back second or third is going to be the most successful at this because they'll see you know let's say MLB comes back first NBA we'll see what they're doing wrong and and like I just said so uh it, it should definitely be interesting I'm excited just to hear that maybe NBA is going to come back just to get some games um something to watch uh obviously even though I know a lot of states most states including ours are reopening you know still stay at home and, and just be safe and not much to do I know you know we haven't even hung out <laughs> since in a while so uh that sucks um, no, it does. So, you know, just to get something back on TV now that, you know, we just talked about the last dance and that's ending. So hopefully something sooner or later, uh, no matter if it's the NBA, which yeah, I know that's, you know, most important here on this podcast or if it's MLB or so, uh, whatever sport it is. Um, I want to transition now again and go to some sad news. Uh, Hall of Famer, uh, co- uh, coach and former player as well, Jerry Sloan. Uh, coach of the Utah Jazz died um, a few days ago uh, at the age of 78 due to Parkinson's disease and a whole bunch of other things, complications. Um, we talk, we've we been talking about the Bulls so much because of Last Dance, but Jerry Sloan himself was the original Mr. Bull. Um, first, uh, his number four was the first jersey retired uh, in the United Center or um, in the Bulls arena. Uh, just a tremendous player, but an even better coach. We had on former jazz player Ronnie Brewer on a couple weeks ago, and we interviewed him, and we actually talked about Jerry Sloan and his coaching and how uh, great that was to play for him. Uh, what What are your thoughts on, on Jerry and, and just everything that you know he did for the NBA? Well, it's pretty sad with everything that's been happening throughout this whole entire year. We mentioned the outbreak earlier with the NBA trying to 
get their stuff together and, and transition and move forward with this whole entire outbreak. But also, man, just people, the great, the great people surrounding, you know, the game of basketball just really uh, taken from the earth and, and taken from, from our very own eyes. You talk about David Stern, uh, the former commissioner for the league, did a lot for the league. Um, and obviously made it a uh, global expansion and uh, and all that stuff. He really just expanded the game that way. And then you look at Kobe Bryant, uh, which was really, really unexpected, especially that one uh, with how much he had left in the tank in terms of just his life, not really basketball per se, but his life and what he could have done after basketball, coaching his daughter, and, and really just that was pretty unexpected. And then we hear news – um, just recently about Jerry Sloan passing away. One of, of course, he had played basketball um, in the NBA for about 10 years, was a great uh, guard for the Bulls. He actually was a two-time All-Star, but I also didn't know that he was a six-time All-Defensive on the All-Defensive teams. So that's something to really, really note there. Um, and it's, it's, it's key. It's something that I didn't really even know. So he was a great defensive player. Uh, offensive game was okay, but, but defensively, he really, really thrived. So just to see him come up in the league and then really make his mark on the league in, in the coaching aspect of the game, he was, and, and really just, if you look at his whole entire life, just really a success story. His dad passed when he was young and really just, uh, came out of a small school into the draft, played on the bullets, and really just, like I said, defensively was great, but only lasted in the league about 10 years, then went to coach, and like I said, just really uh, became a great coach. He uh, eventually became the Jazz's head coach, and that, that's where he really, really was, uh, made, made a statement in the NBA. He coached the Jazz for 20, 23 seasons, Coached some great players, including John Stockton, Carl Malone, that great pick-and-roll duo there. And he really didn't have that many. He only, throughout his whole entire coaching tenure, only had one losing season. Made the playoffs 15 consecutive years. He's, I mean, so many accolades. He's the second, uh, the sec only the second, um, he's, he's behind Greg Popovich for, for most uh, seasons with the team, and he's the fourth winningest coach in, in NBA history. So honestly, just a really, really great story um, with, with Jerry Sloan and it's tough to see him go, but all we can do with these, with these deaths and what, whatever's happening is just, you know, think of the good times and think of the long lasting legacy that these people have provided. Yeah. No, uh, you, you couldn't have said it better. And uh, for sure, someone who, um, was uh mr bull you know before michael jordan uh and just i mean you talk about those jazz teams he i mean you mentioned carl uh carmelo and john stockton got to the final with them never won a championship but then later on you know and we mentioned ronnie brewer and we had ronnie brewer on with you know those teams with darren williams carlos boozer uh AK-47, Andre Karolinko, Medo Kur. I mean, those teams were really good and, and had championship aspirations as well. So just always um, 
always had his teams in, in the right position to, to, to win and compete for titles and, and compete in the playoffs. And, and you knew if you were on the Jazz that most likely come, you know, late April, early May, even early June, that you were going to be playing and you weren't going to be, you know, you weren't going to be left out, out of the postseason. Right. And just really with Jerry, Jerry Sloan to add some more things here, Carl Malone and, and John Stockton, two of his most, um, his most prized players that he's, these are, that he's ever coached. And obviously in that stretch in the nineties where they gave some havoc to the bulls in, in the, in the finals in 97, 98, especially they, they really said that they released statements that, and I'm not sure when the timing of, of these statements, if it was, it was obviously before the passing. Um, I don't think it was after, but really just all of his players that, that I've seen really just said, and you mentioned Ronnie Brewer that we had uh, a couple weeks ago on the pod and he's, he said it, I, I thought he, he said it pretty well where you had to come to play, you had to come to work and, and that's what he expected of you. And he expected to, he, and, and the, and the crazy thing is too, is that you see a lot of great players come throughout this game. But if you think about it, a guy like, as much as I love a guy like Jason Kidd, didn't really transition well into a coach. Um, and so you have these players that end up becoming coaches. And, and sure, Jerry Sloan as a player didn't make too much of a mark, but used his basketball intelligence from when he was a player and, and his experience um, after that, you know, to come to the Jazz and really, really uh, become one of the most legendary coaches Iconic. in all of yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and all of the, and, and the whole entire, you know, history of the league. So just to be able to do that uh, is incredible. And, and I think Ronnie Brewer said as well, he had a, he had a, a great mind for the game. Um, he knew how to, uh, you know, how to win. And he, he expected and demanded that from his players. Yeah. No, and I think um, you look at a lot of the, legendary coaches in, in the NBA of the likes of Jerry Sloan, Phil Jackson, Pat Riley, Greg Popovich, they all, you know, they basically all have the same mentality in terms of, you know, they expect the most from their players and, and there's, you know, maybe there's something to take away from that uh, for the younger up and coming coaches um, in the league as to, you know, they all, they all have different coaching styles, but one thing that's similar from all of them is that they, like I said, they expect the most from their players. So definitely prayers up right. to, to, the, to the Sloan family, uh, the Jazz organization, the Bulls organization, and, and anyone who, uh, who uh, he touched in his life, um, for sure. Prayers up. Prayers up. But uh, I think that'll do it for today. Uh, we're actually re-recording this part of the podcast because we – had about 30 minutes of the podcast not being recorded as we thought we were recording uh, before. So we, we cut out a segment of the podcast and are ending here um, next week. We're going to have kind of a, a different type of episode as we're going to be um, going in depth and analyzing a certain game. We're picking the game as, as we speak now and, and we're going to go back and maybe into the nineties or the early two thousands and pick a, pick a playoff uh, matchup or even a regular season game and, and try to, uh, go and analyze it and, and just give you an in-depth look at, at one of those games. Uh, so yeah, that, that pretty much do it. So where, where can they find us on Instagram, Jake? And, and if hit us, hit us up guys, if you have any ideas for a game uh, that you guys would like us to analyze. Yep, for sure. They can hit us up on Instagram at underscore on the league underscore. 
And remember, on, we're on all three streaming platforms or whatever you, wherever you guys get your podcast. Make sure to check us out around the league. For sure. All of them. Peace out, guys. Peace.